What if we have a three-parter? The hosts of Fang Theory are not experts in any of the subjects discussed, and nothing they say should be taken as advice or expertise. Fang Theory is not affiliated with Summit Entertainment, Little Brown and Company, or anything to do with the Twilight franchise. We are merely fans, here to have some fun and apply vigorous amateur research to the world of our favorite vamps. So that's Alice. We think that ECT led to retrograde amnesia, coupled the transformation process is why she doesn't remember anything. Now for everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like, why does everyone else have really good memory when they become a vampire? And for the record, like Alice does too about vampire things, but yes, but not human things, not, not human things. So the first thing is we thought, oh, maybe photographic memory. Turns out photographic memory is not really well documented. Shocker, shocker. Medium has led me. Mm -hmm. But it's also called eidetic memory or total recall. And basically there are levels of this, but the, the principle is, like, if I show you a comb and then I take the comb away and then I ask you how many, like, tines does it have? You can still see the image of the comb in your mind and can count them, even though the comb itself is gone. So, like, what I mean by different levels is some people can do this for, like, a few minutes after they've seen a comb. Hypothetically, some people could see longer than that. And there are some historical figures that people think had photographic memories, could read, like, lots and lots of text, and then, you know, remember it in great detail. But we don't know for sure about pretty much anyone having this in real life except for children a lot of children for a few minutes can see something in their head with this clarity and we lose that as we get older Mm. also fun fact is for these people with eidetic memories they find that there's a lot of there's a higher percentage of those or there's a higher crossover rate between those who have eidetic memory and um synesthesia i read about that too but again the problem is we we don't actually know that anyone has an eidetic memory (laughs) yeah so that that's the that's the big missing point here also unfortunately up until very recently synesthesia was not believed to be real so we don't have a lot of research on that either (laughs) yeah so um Yes, there have been associations between synesthesia and eidetic memory. And what this gets at for me is to bring us back to our planks of this whole journey we've been on now for three hours. (laughs) Um, This is semantic memory, right? How many tides are in this comb? And so it makes sense that something like synesthesia would be connected to semantic memory because it's synesthesia is impersonal. Right, right. It's like the train... Sound is gray. Three Mm -hmm. is green. These are semantic things, not episodic. Well, 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 not necessarily. 
Hit me. Because there is synesthesia types that are related to calendar dates. Well, that's still semantic, isn't it? Well, no, because it's like, if you were to ask someone like, oh, like, uh, the, well, it, it, yes, the thing in and of itself might be semantic, <laughs> but the, the, the memories that they associate with the date on the calendar could be episodic. So the, the reason I wanted to talk about photographic, <laughs> the reason I wanted to talk about photographic memories because of this quote from Bella, when she sees Renesme, um, quote, the difference between the child I'd given birth to and the one I'd met again an hour ago would have been obvious to anyone. The difference between Renesme an hour ago and Renesme now was subtler. Human eyes never would have detected it, but it was there. Her body was slightly longer, just a little bit slimmer. Her face wasn't quite as round. It was more oval by one minute degree. Her ringlets hung a sixteenth of an inch lower down her shoulders. She stretched out helpfully in Rosalie's arms while Carlyle ran the tape measure down the length of her and then used it to circle her head. He took no notes. Perfect recall. Damn. So, one of the questions I had was, do vampires have perfect semantic memories or just perfect episodic memories? And the fact that Carlyle doesn't need to take notes... That's semantic. Yeah. But the fact that Bella can see in her head Renesme an hour ago clearly enough to know that her face is one degree, like, in, mm-hmm. and her hair is one sixteenth of an inch longer, that speaks to a, an eidetic memory. hmm So, <laughs> I mean, obviously these details are personal to Bella, so they're, in a way, episodic is what I mean. Nothing's really that cut and dried here. Yeah. And also, I think it's, like, important to mention... As we mentioned in the last episode, is memory is so contingent on attention, right? Yes. So obviously, this is her child. She's paying extreme attention to her. Yeah. You know, if 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 this was just any other person, would Bella still be able to notice these differences? It's hard to say. I don't know, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't have a lot more to say about this because we don't. There's not a great scientific basis for a photographic memory, but we brought it up last week, so I wanted to clear this up. Yeah. A little bit closer. Not a maybe satisfying answer, but I'm like, eh, kind of. <laughs> yeah. But it does clear up semantic episodic. Sounds like vampires just remember everything. I'm really? Which, yeah. That sucks. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> but in researching this, I came across something which I do think we can prove. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> which is hyperthymesia again thymesia hyperthymesia a smart person would have googled this (laughs) hyperthymesia people hyperthymesia also known as highly superior autobiographical memory or hsm hsam which is what all the literature i found about it called it so that's what i'm gonna call it and i think hsam may be a closer match than eidetic memory and we also know that it's real (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> although uh-huh. it is a relatively new field there's yeah. like this it yeah i mean less than 50 people that have this that we know of yes but it is really cool it is and i'm gonna tell you about it yeah um but part of the reason there may be more people with this but it doesn't really for most people negatively affect your your life like your day-to-day mm-hmm. life so it's unless possible. you go through something like traumatic well, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so there are possibly more people who have HSAM and they just haven't 
come forward because either they don't know that this research is happening or they've never thought to talk to a psychologist about it because this is just their lived experience this is, just their lived this is experience. normal for them just like i never would have gone to a psychologist about my synesthesia because it's not impairing me mm-hmm. and if i hadn't read that book i never would have known that that's not how other people experience the world and honestly up until like i said relatively recently psychologists didn't know that psychologists knew that synesthesia was a term floating around but they didn't think it was real and fun fact my professor for this one random class i took his name's ramachandran he was kind of the guy who discovered how to test for synesthesia t yeah he's real cool anyways so this is also relatively new science it began in the 2000s when a woman named jill price reached out to psychologist jim mcgaw who works at uc irvine but Jim McGaw. So Jill actually felt that this was a curse because she did have oh, no. some, some rough times and she can't forget about them. They don't get less clear with time. Mm-hmm. And the publication that um, Jim McGaw did about Jill led other people to come forward and be like, oh my God, that's me too. And <laughs> among them is Mary Lou Henner, who coincidentally was friends with the 60 Minutes anchor (laughs) oh and so when they pitched the story to 60 minutes they're like whoa there are these people who can like remember everything that ever happened to them the 60 minutes anchor was like that's not that special my friend mary lou has that (laughs) (laughs) was one of the at the time six known people in the world Mm -hmm. yeah and they they like gathered a like basically everyone that has this for a documentary yeah, except for Jill, who didn't want to participate mm-hmm. because of how traumatic it was. Although she later was on the 60 Minutes Australia episode. Both will be linked in the description. Really fascinating TV, and they're like yeah. 10 minutes long. Yeah, people, you should definitely watch it. It's so cool what they can do. So, but what highly specific autobiographical memory is, is unlike eidetic memory, they have perfect recall, but only of things that have some connection to them. Mm-hmm. So. Like, it was, again, you should watch the 60 Minutes clip, but they would be like, hmm, who won the Oscars in 1991? And one of the participants was like, oh, I didn't watch the Oscars that year. But then she, like, kind of thought about it, and she was like, uh, Kathy Bates for this movie, or whatever. Like, I can't, I can't even remember what movie it was when I watched this clip yesterday, and she remembered from 1991. You know what, though? That's not special. In 40 years from now, if you ask me, what happened in the Oscars 2022? I'll be like, Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. Dude, I don't know. If you ask me in a month, you're like, what happened in the Oscars this year? I'm like, what year is this? <laughs> but she also could like tell the date, what year the Oscars, like yeah. what day the Oscars was in 1991. Yeah. What time? Everything. All this kind of stuff. And so... What she they was can, doing. Yeah, they can remember semantic details like this as long as they can tie it to something personal. Mm-hmm. So... That kind of sounds like vampires. And one of our big things last week is we were like, how are vampires functioning? Because forgetting helps us understand the passage of time. And for a lot of these people, notable exception, Jill Price, (laughs) they're functioning as normal. So this tells us that there's something different going on in the brains of people with HSAM. Maybe it could explain how vampires are um, not losing their minds all the time. (laughs) Um, and like vampires, HSAM usually begins at a certain point in childhood. Like they can remember everything up to like 
usually between ages 10 and like 15. Mm-hmm. But they can't remember anything before that. Kind of like the transformation. Hmm. So, again, because this is rapidly developing, <laughs> the structural differences aren't conclusive. And I'm not going to tell you in great detail. So I'll link the studies if anyone is curious. But the one we're going to talk about in particular is that there has been a, a trend observed that people with HSAM have an enlarged caudate nucleus which is also the part of the brain associated with obsessive-compulsive disorder. What scientists don't know is if these, this structure and the other structures that are enlarged in people with HSAM are larger because they have HSAM, as in they're using these parts of their brain more often in order to recall these memories over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And quite a few of the subjects described organizing their memories and they also live very organized lives all of them collected something like mary lou henner showed her closet and it was like color coordinated and organized with this very precise eye Mm -hmm. and then she described that her mind was the same way she called it in a very timely reference like a dvd menu oh (laughs) and so she (laughs) does age it a bit (laughs) yeah it sure was 2010 (laughs) so you can like scroll through and pick like a year and then pick a scene and then yeah. like, fast forward to the moment that she wants in this great detail. Yeah. And so the theory is that perhaps the caudate nucleus is larger because you know either having this larger caudate nucleus is causing these organizational tendencies both in their minds and also in aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. Or because they're so organized, it has led to an enlarged caudate nucleus. But scientists don't know which way it goes. Mm-hmm. But it's not a small difference. It's up to seven times bigger than normal. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if you mentioned it, but yeah, the caudate nucleus specifically is involved in habit or skill learning. So there you go. And so critically, people with HSAM, just remember these things. They don't use mnemonics or rote practice to remember episodic things, but they don't usually remember more short-term things than um like a control subject would mm-hmm. oh that's interesting which i i don't know that that's true for vampires yeah so that is where they would differ yeah that that quote with carlisle suggests otherwise yeah so there are a couple theories about why hsam happens to people like or what's going on in their minds that leads to this very precise recollection <laughs> Running out of synonyms for remember. Um, the first is hyperabsorption. Basically, people just pay super close attention to events as they're happening. And, like, they found that people with um, HSM, HSAM are more likely to fantasize, to have very rich imaginative lives. And so maybe they're just paying closer attention, as you said. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't think it's that far-fetched. Bella, as a vampire, pays a lot closer attention to everything that's going on around her than she did as a human. Yeah. She also has the heightened senses for it. Exactly. Which, don't worry, we're going to talk about that, too. (laughs) Again, memory is tied to attention, so if they're paying closer attention, maybe they remember more stuff. Mm -hmm. That would make sense. The other theory is sleep consolidation, which ties back to what you were saying about Alice and uh, ECT. Yeah. And consolidation being interrupted. 
So for us regular human people, most of the time when we do that consolidation is when we're asleep. So most people remember more things when they sleep. This is why the advice for students has been you're better off going to bed than studying a couple more hours. Yeah. Late at night. The cramming's not going to work, people. It's not. It's I hate true. to break it to you. Because if you don't sleep well, even though you read all that information, you're not consolidating it. Yeah. So you're not going to remember it the next day. Also, here's a tip. If you really insist on cramming the night before and spending a few extra hours on studying rather than sleeping, it you will feel more fatigued and you will have a harder time consolidating if you wake up in the middle of a sleep cycle. So it'll be more difficult. You will feel worse as well if you are waking up in the middle of stage four sleep than if you were to wake up in stage one or REM. Um, So here's my recommendation. Each sleep cycle, four and a half hours. If you really insist on staying up late before a test, then go to sleep four and a half hours before you're before you need to oh wake up and not like six hours before you need to wake up sometimes just go to bed <laughs> but yeah please just go to sleep <laughs> listen i i stand by that that is that got me through college and i know it's not for everyone i'm not a med student or anything but just go to sleep that's my hot just take. go to sleep hey everything everything will be better if you go to sleep you I really do believe that. You will experience less stress. Your, um, you will have a less or not getting enough sleep. You have an increased chance of cardiovascular disease and stroke. Um, you will. Okay, I won't go on about it. <laughs> sleep is important, guys. Sleep is important. Please go to sleep. So they did a really interesting study about this, where okay. they gave people something to learn. The the review I read didn't say what it was, but they had half the group learn it in the morning, and then they tested them at the end of a waking day, so like 12 hours later or whatever. And they had learned 20% more than they knew before, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, they were down to 10. Mm-hmm. But the next morning, they tested them again after they'd slept, and they got some of that back. Hmm. Like they knew more than they had known right before they went to sleep. And they had another group where they had them learn something, the same thing, at night, and then go to sleep or take a nap. And then they tested them again after the nap, and those people remembered more than the other group. And importantly, the next day, they tested them again, and they still remembered. So there was less of this drop-off. Yeah. So the study actually suggested that the perfect way to study is if you're doing something semantic three hours before you go to bed ideally stop studying Mm. and if you're doing something procedural stop an hour before you go to bed you hear that people so if you have like the keywords there is going to bed (laughs) yeah the keyword is going to bed but uh, it's different if you're learning a new guitar solo than if you are studying for a spanish test that's true but I thought that was interesting. But obviously, vampires don't fucking sleep. So yeah. this theory that people with HSM just sleep more, <laughs> which uh-huh. for some is hilarious. <laughs> or or rather than even 
rather than people with H A H H H S A M. Jesus, that is a tongue twister. I'm gonna just call it H Sam. <laughs> okay. Rather than even sleeping more during of for the for people with H Sam, rather than sleeping more, it could also be that in their sleep, their brain is just like literally functioning different. Well, it's that the quality of their sleep is better. Is the theory that I read. Mm, okay. Yeah. So the the theory is that people with HS H Sam H Sam regularly sleep enough or more and get better sleep. Mm. But again, as you said, there's probably something else going on. We just haven't quite figured out what it is. And we do yeah. know that some structures in the brain of H Sam patients are larger. Yeah. But we don't know if that's a chicken or an egg situation. Yeah. So it's just hard to say with any certainty. But I thought that was really fascinating as a theory because obviously that's one thing that cannot be an explanation for vampires. Yeah, because they do not be snoozing. They're on alert at all times. Do you think vampires, you know, like even when we're not asleep, we can zone out. Do you think vampires can zone out? I really don't think so. That sucks. My favorite times of day are my zoning out times. (laughs) I know. And this is what I mean. They're fully conscious all the time. Like, so much of Breaking Dawn is Bella just noticing stuff. Dude, that like, sucks. Oh when I'm driving, I'm, like, hyper-aware, right? Because I'm trying yeah. to be safe. And I hate noticing everything all the time. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's like going to it's like going to a thrift store or just shopping in general. It's just, like, there's so many things that I have to look at. It's so tired. Anyways. <laughs> This is, me just, this is me just, this ends up just being me complaining about certain things. <laughs> so, I'm going to get into that, but part of that is I think there's something different going on in the way vampires experience the world and sort through the stimulus that they're getting from the world. Mm-hmm. So, part, to understand that, first I want to talk a little bit about why we we need to sleep, <laughs> see what vampires are missing. So rub um, it in their faces. <laughs> once again, scientists don't one hundred percent know. Theme of the episode, I guess. Brain confusing. Brain so difficult. But they think it it has something to do with the brain, um, because I was watching a video and it raised a really fascinating question, which is that when you're asleep, what is exactly resting? Your lungs are still going as they always do. Your heart is still going as it always does. Like your muscles are resting because you're not standing or whatever. And your brain is still functioning. But like what what is precisely well, resting? There are things that are resting. Nothing goes to complete stop, obviously. Otherwise yes. we would die. But like your heart rate lowers. Um your digestive system slows down. Yeah, uh, like you said, your your muscles relax, um, and there are a lot of benefits to that. If your heart if your heart rate is beaten real fast all the time, we would die sooner. Well, we do one hundred percent know for sure that sleep is good for you. If we haven't yes. been clear about that, <laughs> um, but yeah, right. So that that was the question I raised, and some of the theories are that something must be going on in the brain so there have been some theories proposed again we're not 100 percent sure some of them are like the detoxification of the brain from free radicals which Hannah, i know you've definitely talked us through before i love a free radical and there's also glycogen replacement glycogen 
You know I never Google how to say the words. I just show up and just talk. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm in an entirely auditory form. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is perfect for you. <laughs> anyway, glycogen replacement. But the one of the two things I want to talk about is an involvement of sleep in memory and synaptic plasticity. Ooh, la, la. Actually, let me rephrase that. That is actually both of the things I want to talk about. So my first possible theory is that this is the apex predator thing. Vampires. Alpha male. Because this is the other like evolutionary theory is that humans are more prone to hurt themselves in the dark. And so we we're just like, mm. I would not be not surprised. Lots of animals, right? The ones that don't have good night vision. They're like, well, time to just knock out until the danger subsides. <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> Which, that kind of thinking makes me proud to be a human. That's yeah. my philosophy. Honestly. Big brain energy right there. <laughs> truly, truly. And it's also harder to hunt. So vampires, we haven't gotten into vision, but we'll probably do an episode of a vision, have really good night vision. So maybe their muscles don't need to rest. They, they're not worried about hurting themselves. They can hunt all the time. So why wouldn't they? Yeah. In fact, optimal time to hunt because there's no one else around looking at them. Yes, this is true. Less competition. Yeah. But the trouble is, the other thing that we think sleep is doing is synaptic plasticity and the consolidation of memory. So, as we said, the consolidation of memory is the shifting from short-term to long-term memory. So, the theory is, we do this while we're sleeping, because during the day your brain is too busy taking in all the stuff you're seeing. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff it has to has to absorb. So the, the thinking is the parts of your brain that are involved in consolidation are too busy during the day to do it. And so they do it at night when you're not getting any new stimuli. Mm, that would make sense. So the problem is vampires are always getting new stimuli. Yeah, all the time. And you know what, though, is like, mm. like the reason a lot of newer research is uh, examining the effects of social media and, uh, on the brain, right? It's like, Oof, yeah. We are taking in so much new information compared to generations past. Um, and we're taking in new information all the time. We're getting worse sleep because of like light pollution and stuff and whatever. And so there's a fear that we are become our memory is becoming increasingly worse. I believe that. I can't remember shit. <laughs> not to mention we we spent our last two years of edu- of of higher education for the time being at least yeah. online listen all i'm saying is if anyone gets like a, a gen z doctor i'm real sorry for you <laughs> i'm t i mean listen this whole podcast has been conducted on zoom <laughs> yeah we spend a lot of time on screens it's true um, so some scientists have even gone so far as to say that enco- encoding and consolidation, encoding being taking in information, and consolidation being remembering it, right, mm-hmm. are possibly mutually exclusive processes that because they involve the same neuronal resources. Oh. So, hear me out. Uh-huh. Maybe. Yes. Maybe vampires just have bigger brains. More more neuronal resources. Thickier brains? 
Yeah, maybe. Denser? I don't know. I mean, so something that disturbed Paige immensely many moons ago was when I told her that brains, as you learn more stuff, can become increasingly dense. Because you're always, you know, as you learn new things, these synaptic connections, consolidation, you know, that whole process, those networks get stronger, heavier. Um, So, yeah, our brains can become more dense. The volume stays the same. So, yeah, density. Uh, You know what? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if vampires just had real dense brains. Yeah. Because it's not like, like the reason why for humans that would be a problem is because we have limited strength, right? If our heads were, yeah, if we were too top heavy, we would, we would just, you know, well, like the reason why our skull is shaped the way it is and the reason why our body is shaped the way it is is because like if we got, if our brains were any bigger, we would become too top heavy. We would not be able to balance vampires they don't have that problem they are infinitely strong so like they could have they could have extremely dense brains that makes me a little concerned like how much does a vampire weigh <laughs> like would i i would not be able You're to heavy, lift, bro i would not even be able to lift alice at her 411 stature <laughs> i would not be able totally. to pick her up I mean, I we have we have we have flirted with this idea before. I don't have any textual evidence for it at this time, but I I feel in my soul that vampires have to be heavier because they're so hard. They're so yeah. Like yeah. it just doesn't make sense that they wouldn't also be heavy. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I guess fiberglass, but I don't. I don't know. Maybe another episode. Yeah, I there it could just be that there are there's less competition for these neuronal resources because they have more of them and their brains are just real their brains are well, yeah, their brains are just real real solid. <laughs> yeah. So I mean when what consolidation is is that declarative <gasps> memory what we know vampires are denser because they can walk through water. Oh, I don't really... I'll have to look in Eclipse and see if that's how it happened in the book. At least in the movie, they can walk through, like, that lake. I Yes, I know exactly what you're thinking about. That's the beanie moment. Yeah, and they're not floating, so... But I don't <laughs> know... With perfect ease. <laughs> I don't know if that was an artistic decision or if that was in the book. I'll look. We'll double check. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think vampires are denser. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And, like, in New Moon, I do know in the books, there's, like, this part where they're trying to get into the the Volturi headquarters. Uh-huh. And there's this bit where there's just a hole in the ground and they have to jump down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and all the vampires are like, yes, this is fine. Well, then Bella's there just like, uh... <laughs> And so Edward sends Alice down first and has Alice catch Bella. And Bella says that she has bruises on her back from where Alice's arms oh. caught her. <gasps> okay. That feels like it would be dense, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, you know, force is equal to mass times acceleration. If the acceleration is zero, because Alice is just standing and catching Bella, right? Yeah. But the force is real great. Then that means the mass has to be real big. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you've outscienced me because I'm like, but Bella is the one moving. I don't. You've lost me. <laughs> uh, okay, that's true. Bella is the one moving. Hmm. But how deep is this hole? <laughs> I don't know, but it was it was deep because she was listening for Alice to land. She was like, "Oh, that was a long time." <laughs> hmm. We could. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it there. But our vampires denser probably we'll talk about it maybe okay so during the day you're encoding information yeah in a temporary store quote in the interior part of the hippocampus yeah and then it is while you're sleeping it is reactivated to build a connection between the cortex and the hippocampus which is how stuff gets moved into long-term memory so what we're saying is that maybe vampires can put new information in the short-term store while they're moving other information while they're awake <laughs> is that bonkers hmm. that is interesting also like that makes me okay multiple things one we don't really know why we dream but there is a theory that this this process of consolidation is the reason why we dream fascinating yes um it there is there is a, a theory that dreaming helps to store things into our memory um i believe that do you think not okay do you think vampires not daydream in the sense that we know it but like literally daydream (laughs) like not just like imagining scenarios but like unconsciously creating these like weird stories in their head because they have to go through the system of consolidating, but when they're awake. <laughs> Next episode, dreams? Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. I genuinely, I don't know, not enough information to comment. Maybe. Because that'd be real funky for them. <sighs> if they're okay, seeing we're, things, we're... but then they're seeing things. <laughs> we're going to have to come back to this because there's... There's a lot of really related stuff there because that's kind of how, like, Bella describes the Renesmee's talent is uh-huh. sort of, like, a, a really strong memory that you, like, she can still see the surroundings, but she can also see it in her head. Uh-huh. That's also how Alice's power is described. So I think we need to table this and give it the space it deserves. Okay, sounds good. So consolidation for declarative memory, like, semantic, episodic stuff, happens during slow wave sleep. Okay. But the consolidation of procedural memory happens during REM sleep. Hmm. That would make sense to me. It, everything that we've learned thus far kind of points in the direction that, like, procedural memory is easier to store and therefore wouldn't require us to, to go that deep into sleep in order to consolidate. Oh, related fun fact. Edward doesn't remember his mom really well, but he was a pianist before he was a vampire. Oh, there you go. And he sure does remember how to play piano post-vampiric transformation. There you go. Oh, I didn't think about that. That means vampires aren't forgetting procedural stuff. (laughs) The dots, are they connecting? (laughs) Uh, I'm troubled by that. I don't know. I guess Alice still knew how to do a bunch of stuff. She knew how to... And it's like Jasper, Jasper knew how to fight like he was in the army. Yeah. Um... Does this mean Emmett remembers how to fight bears? <laughs> I mean, he certainly is fighting bears now. He's just winning now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love calling Emmett out for losing to a bear as if that's yeah. not a, a very... 
Very reasonable. <laughs> loser. Loser. You're losing to bears. Wow. <laughs> it's only funny because he's so huge now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho. So, um, so yeah. We do know vampires can learn how to do more procedural stuff as vampires. So, I guess they can, I, I don't know. I'm going to leave the waves alone unless you have anything specific to add because I'm like, I don't know uh, what to do with this. No, I, I I don't think there's anything particularly special about it. I, when you are awake, you have spe- specific types of brain waves. Um, and so clearly they're not undergoing this process of consolidation. I mean, they're not doing it through sleep. So I, I don't know how important these brain waves are. I guess the important thing is if you are a student or trying to learn a new skill, remember to to sleep enough to get into REM sleep, especially if you're trying to learn how to play the piano. Yeah. The big takeaway here is get enough sleep, people. It's important. So the last thing I'll say is that if vampires are, as we said, just doing the stuff that we normally can't do while we're getting new stimuli, their thinking would probably be different than ours because they're also consolidating, which is not something we normally do while we're conscious. Mm-hmm. And Bella describes in Breaking Dawn that she feels like she's thinking a lot faster. Mm. And she says she understands why Edward told her in New Moon, in the quote I read you at the beginning, actually, uh-huh. coincidentally, that uh, vampires are easily distracted. They have ADHD? I think they're just processing stuff a lot faster than we are. So it could be that they're processing things more quickly. Their their actual senses are heightened, so they can take in a lot more than we can per per unit of time, you know? Yeah. So I think they're taking in more, but also sorting through it faster than we, we are. Damn. I'm not jealous at all. I'm really I not. Don't want that. I don't see. I just cannot possibly imagine doing that and not getting tired. But they don't. Yeah, I guess it's a worldview thing. Yeah. All right. So the final theory we have, or the final question we have about vampire memory is Bella is really insistent that it's harder for her to remember things from when she was a human because her senses were duller then. And she says that trying to remember what memories from that time is like looking through muddy water. Because she can see so much more clearly now. I can see clearly now the rain has gone. Literally, for Bella. That's her. her. So she says, um, My mind spun out, spiraling back to my last human hour. Already the memory seemed dim. I was like, like I was watching through a thick, dark veil. Because my human eyes had been half blind. Everything had been so blurred. So I was like well what happened we we have studies done of people who have their sight restored yeah and what does that do to their memory so as we discussed last week people who have lost a sight particularly people who've lost or people who've lost a sense particularly people who've lost the sense of sight have much better environmental memory like sound mainly mm-hmm. than sighted people which as you explained last week anna is due to synaptic plasticity it it changes their their brains yeah like their occipital lobe which normally is in charge of sight 
new pathways are formed between other senses to make up yes. for this loss of sight. Mm-hmm. So there was a study done that basically they were trying to figure out if blind people were better at remembering things that they heard or smelled than sighted people. And they found that blind participants could remember things that they'd heard better than sighted participants. Hmm. So, but that's, that lays the groundwork for the synaptic plasticity. However, we have sort of the opposite problem with Bella. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We also, those, that study found that blind participants weren't better at remembering olfactory memories than sighted participants were, which as we talked about in our smell episode, we know would not be the case for vampires. Like, it's not the case for wolves. (laughs) Yeah. So, I want to tell you about some studies of people who've gotten their sight back. Okay. The big takeaway is that it's extraordinarily disorienting. (laughs) So, I don't know. I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. I have this mental image in my head of a person getting their sight back and being like, I can see. And it's like magical. No, it was probably very terrifying. Yeah, a lot of the first-hand accounts are like, things were very blurry, like colors are very easy to see. But... The problem is your your occipital lobe in charge of sight has been rewired for other senses. Mm-hmm. So it's not the problem isn't taking in information, it's processing it yeah. to understand what you're seeing. Yeah. Like that part of your brain is just like literally weaker. Just other yeah. other connections are just stronger. And the trouble is that for example, there is this man Virgil. We're going to talk about Virgil a lot. <laughs> But this was a, an old philosophical question. If a blind person has held an apple before and they got their sight back and they saw an apple but couldn't touch it, would they recognize it? And real life studies such as on people like Virgil have shown no. They mm. genuinely, they need to touch it to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, I'll link it in the description, but I read this really well-written article by Oliver Sacks about his time with Virgil. And it's really tragic. He takes Virgil to the zoo after Virgil has gotten his sight back. Mm-hmm. and Virgil just really wants to touch all the animals because otherwise he can't see what they are <laughs> now because they're because vi- Virgil uh Virgil's eyesight is like literally worse right um but what do you mean like um he can't see what they are because his eyesight's worse or because he doesn't recognize what they are is my question mainly it seems to be a processing problem. Okay. Because he he ends up tragically actually losing his sight again. Oh. But they think it was in his mind not because they looked at his eyes before and they he didn't have perfect vision by any stretch of the imagination before. Basically what had happened to Virgil was that he had really thick cataracts. Okay. And this article was written in the 19, in 1993. Mm, mm-hmm. And he's I think 45. So when he was a child, he developed these cataracts really early in life. I think six or younger. And at the time, they didn't have a great reliable surgery for cataracts. And then they had also thought that there was something else wrong with his eyes. So they thought at some point that it wasn't worthwhile. But by 1993, they had a better sense of what was going on. And they were like, well, we can't can't make your sight worse. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) 
So they do a standard cataract surgery on his eyes, and they do one at a time, and they find that that they do his worst eye first, and they find that what they, I don't remember exactly what they thought was wrong with it, but it wasn't, wasn't actually there. He just had really thick cataracts. And they're like, oh, well, he's really struggling, but maybe when we have the better eye surgery done, he'll be fine. And it doesn't really improve things. And so they have all these clues and they think that what happened is his occipital lobe has been rewired to be better at processing things like sound. So Virgil's really nervous all the time. He doesn't want to walk without his cane. And okay, so if it's a if it's a matter of processing, so like when he go when he's at the zoo because he can't touch them, it's a matter of recognition. Then yes, so, so for, the there will the eyes will actually see a zebra, but he cannot tell you it's a zebra, and that's really yes. distressing. So he can pick out some stuff, like he can tell that the giraffe is really tall, so he knows that's a giraffe because he knows that about giraffes that they're really yeah. tall. Because he has little, like, toys mm-hmm. at home of, like, of animals. And so he, oh. he knows the shape. That's why he, he wants to touch them. We need to get this man to a petting zoo. <laughs> I know. But he sees a gorilla and he's like, that's just a dude. That's just mm-hmm. a man. Mm-hmm. Until, I guess, he he got, like, much closer. Or, I don't remember. At some point he realizes he makes the connection to his toy gorilla. But he needs some other defining feature. It's not enough to just see it. Which is just really crazy for me to think about, because that's not my my experience at all as a sighted <laughs> person. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a statue at the zoo of a of a bronze zebra, and Oliver Sacks is like, Virgil, I'm really sorry, but you you very can't touch the gorilla. <laughs> oh. So he takes Vir- Virgil over t- to the statue, and that's that's the best he can see at the zoo. Poor guy. You know who yeah. would really struggle with that, Joe. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> true. <laughs> um, I think it's worth mentioning, though, that in the study or in this article about Virgil, you even say that um, he recognized when he opened his eyes, the face of his surgeon, though, which is pretty cool. Not recognize his surgeon, but he recognized a face and that the face not- was his surgeon's. Not at first, I don't think. Where do you see that? On first scene after being blind for decades, Virgil told me later that in the first moment he had no idea what he was seeing. There was light, there was movement, there was color, all mixed up, all meaningless, a blur. Then out of the blur came a voice that said, well, then and only then, he said, did he finally realize that this chaos of light and shadow was a face, and indeed the face of his surgeon. That's what I'm saying. Until he had a clue, because he knew what the surgeon sounded like. Yeah. Although he was seeing the scene, he couldn't mm-hmm. make sense of it until he could make a connection to something he had already known. It's not enough to see the apple to know that it's the apple that you had touched. You have to touch it again, and then you can make the connection that what you're seeing is what you already knew. Mm-hmm. So he so, sees the scene, and he can't understand until he gets a connection to sound. Mm-hmm. Though I think it's really interesting to mention that he be- he has specifically a processing deficit. Um, but faces are like one of those things that we have biologically coded for already, like as soon as we're born. So like, even though when we're born, we, you know, we've never seen anything. We don't, when we open our eyes, we know a face is a face. Can you send a, a link? Will we put that in the description? 
Yeah. It's called the Greeble Study. <laughs> Ooh, okay. All right. Look out for the description. But um, I'm glad you brought us that quote because when Bella first wakes up as a vampire with her new senses, this is not her experience at all. And this was done justice in the movie, in my opinion. She wakes up and she sees the dust in the air. She hears cars on the freeway. And she's oh, yeah, the movie, at first. The movie does a great job of depicting this. Yes. But she knows what's going on. She's like, there is a moment where she hears a sound. She calls like a rushing. And she's like, whoa, what is that? There's there's no water running. There's nothing going on. And then she realizes that it's cars on the freeway. So like Virgil, she's having to take a moment and make a connection between what she already knew and her new sense. But this mm-hmm. is happening much faster. Mm-hmm. Whereas Virgil, again, has to, his his surgeon has to speak. For him to be like, oh, that's a person. Mm-hmm. So, again, the the issue here is both the fictional vampire and the very real countless people who have gotten, well, not countless, the handful of people. <laughs> yeah, it's actually countful. Very countable, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the handful of first-person accounts of, of people who've gotten their sight back have in common is that the problem isn't the sense itself the problem is processing mm-hmm. which to be so. fair when bella is changed she is going from just a normal human brain to like this supersonic megatronic brain right like she's not losing anything first and then regaining it so i think you're on to something and basically what i think is going on is for virgil the big problem is he's lost synaptic plasticity He's a 45-year-old well, man. No, who... it's not that he's lost synaptic plasticity. It's that he's um he's utilized synaptic plasticity. Mm-hmm. Hear me out, hear me out. Okay. So I may I may not be using the, the best language, so you may have to guide me, but Okay. For example, babies also, when they're first born, are like, whoa! <laughs> Yeah, I'm, what in the world? <laughs> in the dark this whole time. What is all of this? <laughs> but this is like why babies, if you like speak, like one parent speaks one language, this is why babies can pick up more than one language both fluently yes. because they have infinite potential. Yeah. In early life. Malleable brain. It's malleable brains, exactly. So the problem with Virgil is that his, as you said, he's already utilized synaptic plasticity from an, a very early age. His brain has shifted the occipital lobe, which was not being used to help with sight, for these other senses, particularly touch and sound. Mm-hmm. Well, now that he's gotten sight back, the tragedy of Virgil's story is that it it doesn't seem like he's able to reverse that change. Mm-hmm. So he he will never really be able to to process what he gets with this new site, and unfortunately, there there were quite a few other like firsthand accounts of people who got their site back with the same issue. They never really were able to process visual stimuli properly. So I have a, I have a follow up question: Is <laughs> now because Virgil lost his eyesight again? But do you think given within, given enough time, his oxalolo would regain functioning? I mean, he's a real dude. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but he lost his vision. So it's hard to say if his oxalolo will ever regain functioning. But for these other people who, who've regained their vision, like, 
did were they given a lot of time to see if their occipital lobe would would function again or was see. it just I like think... after a couple of years nothing happened and so they still in sac- that site. yeah no one no one got to be like what we would consider normal sightedness because mm-hmm. like these people they lose their sight for decades so it could yeah. potentially just take decades again to regain it well, Sachs's, in Sachs's article, he says that patients who got their sight back, even the one who lost it at 15, so relatively late in life, and got it back 20 years later, it takes months or even years to be able to just decipher visual stimulus regularly. Oh, okay. Part of part of Virgil's problem is that he gets really tired. Like, you know when your eyes get tired and you're like, I, yeah. I can't read this anymore? That happens to Virgil all the time. Yeah. And his wife com- like was keeping a journal and she says that he sometimes like quote, acts like a blind person again when uh-huh. he's just been looking at stuff for too long. Okay, I ask because it's like, you know, if you break an arm and you don't use an arm for a long time, your arm becomes weak. But then if when you get the cast off and you go through physical therapy, you regain strength in that arm. It just takes a while. So I'm curious if vision is... Or in these people's cases, if their vision is like that, where after a while, it might not it might not ever be perfect, but they do regain some control over their visual um, processing. Big emphasis on some, like with breaking an arm. If you break an arm when you're seven, yeah, your arm's gonna be like ninety nine percent okay most of the time. Yeah, if you break your arm at fifty seven, it's never gonna be it's really tougher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So. Sax's point is that these p- people who get their sight back like this are like babies and that they're learning everything constantly. Mm-hmm. But unlike babies, their brains no longer have this equal potential. They're yeah. more set in stone. Yeah. So it's much more difficult to process this information, to learn how to process this information. And it's much more mm-hmm. taxing. And it that makes sense. It can never really be the same. Like I said, I get overwhelmed being in, like, a clothing store and having that yeah. much stimuli. And this is with someone with with years of vision. <laughs> yeah. And Virgil, like, like, I feel really sad for Virgil. He he really loved colors. Like, there's this Aww. passage when Max is just Virgil in the parking lot. And Virgil's just like, whoa, that's a red one. He's so excited. Aww. He loves colors. And sometimes he gets the names wrong because he's learning them late. Yeah. So it's just, it's this really fascinating study, which brings us nicely to memory. So what I'm arguing is that the transformation process is sort of like being a newborn. Mm-hmm. It gives their brains this equal potential again, which maybe is why Bella is able to adjust so much faster. A hard reset. Yeah, a hard reset in the way that real life human beings aren't well they even describe don't they even describe their transformation as like they describe new vampires as newborns they they, they really do. are they totally taking in the world in a completely new sense yes in like every way i think that's true and um so part of this is that like Bella is able to form new memories fairly quickly with her new senses. Like, uh-huh. there was this really hilarious woman in Breaking Dawn. 
where Bella gets back to the cottage and she sees that Alice has stocked her closet. Mm-hmm. And she's just looking to put on her normal clothes and she can't find them. And so Edward comes in and he kind of just sniffs around and he's like, here you go. And he goes, she, or she goes, how did you do that? And he's like, I smelled for the cotton. Oh. <laughs> and so she holds the shirt to her face and is like, okay, now I know what cotton smells like. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll look for that next time. Hmm. Me and when I buy just... a linen scented candle. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, Virgil had a cat and a dog. Yeah. Unfortunately for Virgil, who couldn't have possibly known this when he adopted them, they're both black and white. Oh no! <laughs> he goofed! <laughs> so when he gets his sight back, he can't tell them apart. Oh no! And this is really fascinating. This is terrible news. He can't tell them on on sight, but if he can pick them up, he can he can know. Yeah. And he says the same thing about reading that he he as a blind person could read tombstones by touching the letters and knowing the shape. Yeah. And when he's reading, he can read individual letters, but it's difficult for him to put them into words. So when he sees his cat, he may see that the ears are shaped differently, that the paws are different, but he can't put that all into one picture. Mhm. To be like, okay, this is the cat. Yeah. Or this word is this word, even though I know every single letter that's in it. Yeah. Well, because we have, we have multiple, and maybe this is would be great for another episode. Um, if we did end up doing an episode on vision, we have multiple different pathways that connect our occipital lobe to our temporal lobes, right? So it's connecting yeah. our vision to our language processing centers. And so if those connections cease to exist, then of course it would make sense that he simply does not have the language for the things that he sees anymore or vice versa you know he cannot put place an image to a word like that would make complete sense to me and it's also true for images like you said we have this this space on our head for imagining if you shut your eyes like i can still imagine this room because this is where i live i spend a lot of time here i can put a mental map of it Mm -hmm. he can see the paw and the ears and the tail but he can't put it into cat yeah which Um... Yeah, because it sounds like, again, we don't have to get into super specifics, but, you know, we have um, a pathway. I believe it's called the dorsal pathway. And it is essentially connecting, again, like I said, like our, our language to our vision. So, yeah, like he he just straight up cannot say, like, this is a cat, you know? Yeah. That that pathway's dead. Yeah. He had it, and he didn't I, have to use it for years, you know? And that means he's having to think a lot more. He's having to be like, hmm, this ear, what is and building a picture together that you and I just are like cat. Mm-hmm. We take all this information together and come up with an a response. And so Virgil's wife says that he's having to think a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And we've also, this is something Avella says, that she thinks she's thinking faster as a vampire. So maybe, again, this denser brain means that she's able to, maybe through a combination of newborn synaptic plasticity and this vampire, just like faster processing, is able to take it in stride? Yes. 
with a brain like Bella's, I could see that being the case. I will say, because this is an account of Virgil from the perspective of his wife, it could seem like he has to process everything faster because she's aware that he has to process so much more in a given amount in a given amount of time. And so it could look very intense. You know, he, he's probably very focused on whatever it is that he's looking at. I don't know necessarily if he's actually processing things more quickly. In fact, he's probably processing things at a slower rate. But it's just like the perception that his wife has of what he's doing probably makes it seem like he's going very fast. I think that still serves our purpose, right? But yeah, with Bella, she, she's got a whole new brain yeah and i mean even if you're right like you and i see cat and instantaneously know that's a cat even if he mm-hmm. is taking you know a couple minutes to come to that same conclusion he's having to think a whole lot harder than we are which yeah maybe exactly is what she means yeah but sure. i also think bella is is taking in more information and having to sort through it but she's not having to work as hard mm-hmm the trouble is, if vampires do have this extra synaptic plasticity as a result of the transformation, synaptic plasticity goes both ways. It's also the pruning of memories and you're not yes. using. Which I don't know what to do with. <laughs> Could be that they're just not pruning anything. Again, dense brain. <laughs> I suppose. Right. And I mean, why, why would she need to prune anything? It would only benefit them to have every connection that they that she's ever made. And she doesn't get tired. So, like, a, re- a big reason why we have to prune is because we as humans have a finite amount of energy resource. Um, yeah. So, if we're using all of our energy all of, our t- all of the time on connections that weren't a priority, we would be asleep for half of the day. <laughs> Yeah. Bella does not have that problem. So she would have no reason to prune things. And we know from people with HSAM that you can have a a, a functioning understanding of the passage of time, even if you remember everything that's ever happened to you. So yeah, I guess why not? Yeah, why not? All right. Do you have any final thoughts about... Well, actually, I guess I should... I should answer the question that I set us out on. Yeah. <laughs> would, would it be harder for Bella to remember things because her her sense her senses were worse before? In in Virgil, it seems the answer is no. He remembers his cat when he can touch it because that's how he learned what his cat was before. Yeah. Well, with Bella, <laughs> she's able to Virgil's problem is that he he sees his cat all the time and he can't really remember even though he's met his cat before he's seen his cat before now with his new sight he can't remember again oh this is the cat he has to touch it again and again and again Mm -hmm. because he doesn't have the pathway to form memories that way Mm -hmm. Ella does so it's Mm -hmm. possible that in during the transformation as her 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 pathways are changing to accommodate new senses. Yeah, it could be harder to access pathways that were made without them. Is that anything? Yes. 
So Virgil's problem is that he's using old pathways with a new sense. Yeah. Bella, when she was undergoing the vampire transformation, her, her mind was making new pathways. She was basically a equal potential, like a newborn baby. And when she woke up, new pathways were forged with her new heightened senses. Oh, yes. So I could see it being harder for her to access memories that were forged using these old pathways that aren't really in use anymore. Yeah. And also we discussed a little bit in the last episode about interference. Yeah. And so these like, she's dealing with so many new synapses that whatever she recalls post-transformation would interfere with anything she had pre-transformation i think that's plausible i feel happy with that yeah i think that's pretty solid yeah this is a monster of an episode (laughs) sure is (laughs) but hey we got through it no my final thoughts yeah i have some closing messages closing remarks Please. please share please everyone Get ample amount of sleep. It's important for you. Um, and that's it. <laughs> so I guess we have a couple of big takeaways. Um, the first one is that vampires possibly have heightened, uh, sup- what was it? Highly superior autobiographical memory. We also know that they definitely have good semantic memories. But what's important about HSAM is... It means that they're they're not living miserable existences by not forgetting anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, we think they have dense brains. Got them thicky brains. Which is both how they remember things and also how they formed new pathways to accommodate all their new senses. Alright. So those are those are our thoughts on vampire memory. And I know that the article about Virgil is old, but if Virgil is still kicking it today, I hope people are taking him to petting zoos. He I deserves hope so it too. Yeah. Very close. <gasps> I hope he goes to the great emu farm, ostrich farm of Solvang. <laughs> oh, I would not want to take a person who can't see very well there. They were mean birds. <laughs> they were mean to you. I had a great time. They were very nice to me. They wanted to eat my thumbs. <laughs> Protect Virgil's thumbs. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have made your thumbs look so delectable. This is victim blaming. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been theory, bang theory. <laughs> this has been thumb theory. <laughs> hey, let's bring it back to the Batman. This has been thumb drive. <laughs> I'm vengeance, <laughs> and I'm Catwoman. <laughs> I'll be back in two weeks with a normally length episode. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it'll be normally length. We say that every week, and it never turns out to be less than an hour. <laughs> anyway. Um, see you in two weeks. Goodbye. That's like you're eating a salad, and people are like, Whoa, that must be so crazy for you because there's so many different colors in there. It's like, I don't know, dude. (laughs) I'm just eating. (laughs) As Edward said, not forgetting.
when you hear Jimica. <laughs> I hope you think of me. I don't want to appear to hear this. 